Yesterday we had a, a big balloon ride. It's balloons and tunes out at Westwood High School, and I know that some of y'all were able to go. Uh, but I was just thinking about the the band. They played. I, mean, I know James got up here at one o'clock, and then they were busy until about ten o'clock last night. And so I was I was hoping that they were still going to play today. So that that's, this last song they sang was great, and I am just I am. A, blessed and appreciate them uh, sharing with us. Uh, although I will say they said they did a set uh, yesterday from what like five to eight o'clock uh, last night. They had a concert. I, why didn't I have a preaching concert? I mean I was thinking you know, maybe I could get up there and do a few sets myself, preach for about three hours straight. Uh, y'all would love that. Uh, so anyway, kind of falls into what we're talking about today. We are, we are continuing our series, What Does Jesus Say About? And today we're going to be talking about what does Jesus say about unfairness, or another way that you can look, look at it is what does Jesus have to say about fairness? Now, I'm not, I'm not much of a card player. As a matter of fact, the, uh, really the only card game that I know how to play is Uno. And uh, that's about, you know, that's about the extent of my professional card playing uh, career. But this is what I know about cards. It seems like sometimes that when you play cards, that it doesn't seem to be real fair. Um, when I'm playing, you know, don't you hate it when you're playing, since this is the game I know, Uno. Now, if Emily was here, you know, she's five-card stud and all that stuff. But since it's just me, uh, I hate it whenever I'm getting my cards and I'm looking at them. And all my cards, when Emily deals them, they're all like one color. And then, you know, the card that you're supposed to try to match up is a different color. So I spend the whole game, you know, trying to trying to get that the, the right color down. And I'm, gri- I'm really good at griping. And so I gripe the whole time. And I'm like, man, this is not... So it just drives me absolutely nuts. But as I get older, there's, there's something that I'm learning more and more. And that is something that and my parents have told me this my whole life. And, uh, and I'm starting to say it as well. Is that, and it, it's very simple to my kids. I love saying this. Life ain't fair. Isn't that great to say? It's just so fun. You know, when your kids are totally discouraged and disappointed and angry at you, then that's my comeback line. Hey, I got bad news for you, buddy. Life ain't fair. So it's a lot of fun, unless it's me. Now, uh, now, when it comes to me, life is fair when things are going my way. But when things aren't going my way, then it's not fair. And, you know, we right now, you know, we're getting into, you know, they're getting into the political season. And a big, a big topic of conversation with politicians is fairness. But so what, what is that? You know, what exactly is fairness? Now, what I am learning is that when they talk about fairness, what they mean is they get to define fairness. And so for them, fairness means I get to take away from one group of people and give it to another group of people. And that seems fair to one group, but it's not real fair to another group of people. So life, it's it's just not fair if I'm the one who defines it. But listen to what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians 7.17, it says, However... Each one must live his life in the situation the Lord assigned when God called him. Now, according to the Apostle Paul's words, God is the one who determines what's fair. A God is the one who is the card dealer in life. Now, as hard as I try, I'm not the guy who gets to deal out all the cards. And, and for me, if I don't get the certain cards that I want, then I don't think life is fair. 
But, but here's what's really interesting when we talk about fairness and unfairness with God. God's desire in life is not that you experience what we would call fairness. God's desire is that in life that you will honor and glorify his name regardless of what cards you are dealt in life. And so today in our scripture, that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about fairness and unfairness. And we're going to see that Jesus is talking to his disciples in the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at today. And he just very clearly let them know, guys, in the days ahead, life's going to seem like it's unfair. So in the days ahead, you're going to run into some tough times. But when you do, I just want you to remember some real simple truths. And one of them is very simply put, life is tough. Life, a lot of times, not fair. You know, there, there's stuff that happens in life, and I, I, I don't understand. You know, I don't get it. I, I have friends who have, have been hard workers. They started their own businesses. You know, when the economy kind of turned south, even though they worked hard, they lost everything they had. And I, I step back, just like with, when they did, and I say, yeah, that's not fair. I've seen people who are, who are great people, they love their spouses, they're faithful to them, and then their, their spouse abandons them, and the family is, is crushed, and the family's destroyed, and I step back and I look at that and I think, well, it's not fair. And I, I can go on and on, but the, the, the point is still the same. There's just a lot of stuff that happens in life that's not fair. And so the question is, when that does happen, when life is not fair for you, then the question is very simply this, what do we do? You know, how, how, do, we, how do we handle it? And so if you have your Bible, we're just going to see what Jesus has to say. And we're going to look in John chapter 16. And uh, you can look with me in verse number 31 in just a few moments. So John chapter 16 Verse 31, and as you get there, in the preceding verses, Jesus had said some rather interesting things. And he told his disciples that he was getting ready to leave them. Now, to the disciples, that did not seem fair. And if you look at the history of the Jewish people, there's a lot of stuff with them that is not real fair. I mean, you go back to the Old Testament, you'll see that they were taken into Egyptian captivity for 400 years. After 400 years, y'all remember who's the guy that led them out of captivity? This is a big test for y'all. Moses, good job. All right, Moses, if you got wrong, we're going to do that concert today, and I was going to be leading it. Uh, so they, yeah, it was Moses, leads them out. So they get out, they go to the promised land, they're all enjoying it, having a great time, and then the Babylonians come. Okay, this is going to be a little more t difficult. Y'all remember who the guy was that led the Babylonians? Nebuchadnezzar. All right, you get half credit on that one. So Nebuchadnezzar comes. He takes them into captivity again. And so they leave, and they're in captivity for 70 years. And then after 70 years, they finally get to return home. And then they come back home, and then there's another empire that comes up. The Persians come up, and they go into captivity again. And they, then they come back home. And then, and then at this point in our text today, the Romans come in, and the Romans begin to occupy them. And so as the, as the Jewish people are looking around, they're sitting there saying, this is not fair. And then Jesus comes. And ultimately, they, got, they are excited. Jesus is going to be their hero. 
You know, they watch what Jesus did. They see all these incredible things that he does. And so as they're all excited and all jacked up that things are finally going to be fair, what does Jesus do? Well, Jesus comes along in the preceding verses and says, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm getting ready to check out. And so then the disciples, they're devastated. They're saying, this is not fair. You know, once again, we're getting the shaft. Any of y'all ever felt that way before? Or you feel like, there's some stuff going on in my life right now. Not fair. Stuff happening in my life right now. Not right. If you feel that way, I got some good news for you. You're not alone. You know, misery loves company. There's some bad stuff here. But Jesus has a word of encouragement for you. And Jesus says, when, when things aren't fair, when life is tough... Let me share a few things with you that you need to know. What, what do we need to know? Well, Jesus lets us know. So the first thing you need to remember in tough times is this. First thing you need to remember is your faith will be tested. So as you're going through tough times, Jesus says, remember, this, stuff, this stuff's normal. So your, your faith is being tested. And if you look in verse number 31, Jesus, it says, Jesus responded to them, to them, do you now believe? Look, an hour is coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home and you will leave me alone. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Now, earlier in the, the preceding verses, Jesus had told his disciples, he said, guys, I want you to know that I come from God. And, and basically what he was telling them is, I am the one you've been looking for forever. I am the Messiah. And whenever the disciples heard this, I mean, they're like, yeah, we, we believe it. They believed it. They've been hanging out with Jesus. You know what Jesus was doing at this time? Jesus walked around. He sees people. One of the examples we're told about in scriptures, he he spits on some mud, and he puts it on his fingers. Y'all remember, he wipes on this guy's eyes, and then he tells the guy who's blind, open his eyes, and the guy can see. That's impressive. Wow. They watch Jesus, kind of hang out with him some more. There's a dead girl. Jesus goes over to her and says, don't worry, y'all, she's just asleep. Get up. You know what she did? She gets been dead. She gets up. Okay, y'all getting the picture here? Y'all thinking, okay, if I see somebody doing that, I am definitely interested. I'm hanging out with this guy. So they keep hanging out with him. There's a guy who hasn't been walking for 38 years. Jesus walks over to him and says, I forgive you of your sins. Pick up your pallet, walk home. The guy gets up and walks home. The disciples are like, holy cow, this guy is for real. Now, so Jesus tells them, he says, do you now believe? You better believe we believe. And then Jesus gives them some news. He says, you say you believe. He said, but there's coming a day when you are going to fold up like an accordion whenever your faith is tested. And, and here's the deal. Guys, it is so easy to believe when nothing's on the line. But when things are on the line, it gets tough. Yeah, here, here's the big example I have for you. I do really well whenever I go to play golf and I go to the driving range. Any of y'all feel that way? Go to the driving range, you know, it's 600 yards wide. I'm like, I hit the fairway every time. You know, so I mean, if it's fairway 600 yards, I'd be doing pretty good. But I'm just nice and relaxed, hitting the golf ball. It's like, look, this, I'm doing pretty good. But so, have y'all noticed this? Something happens in that drive from the driving range to hole number one. What is it? I, I can't figure it out. 
Hole number one, I get up there and I take a swing and I make a shot that I haven't seen since I got to the golf course. What is going on? Here's what's going on. Practice is easy. The game's different because it counts. And when it starts counting, I can just feel myself seizing up. I start to get nervous. I start putting all the pressure on myself. That's what Jesus was telling the disciples. It's easy to follow me when things are easy, but when the tests come, he said, you guys, are, you're going you're gonna to fold up. Did they? Well, in Mark 14, 50, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, it says, then they all deserted him and ran away. When the test came, they failed. You know, I, I don't like tests a whole lot. Because what it does is they typically point out some weaknesses that I have. But you know, tests aren't given to us in order to embarrass us. They're given to us in order to see where our weaknesses are so that when the next test comes, we can strengthen ourselves in that area and be stronger. And so testing is actually good. And that's why Jesus says there's going to come test in your life. You know, if we were never tested, it would be like practicing all the time and yet never playing the game. I mean, what's the purpose of that? So Jesus says, in life, you're going to be tested. And it's crazy for us to think that we're never going to be tested. It's easy to follow when things are going well. It's tough when there's tests. The Bible tells us we'll be tested. In James 1-2, it says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers, whenever you experience various trials. 1 Peter 4.12 says, Dear friends, don't be surprised when the fiery ordeal comes among you to test you as if something strange was happening to you. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us that you might be tested. It doesn't say that, you know, if you're tested, it says you will be tested. There will be times when life will not be fair. And when that happens, how are you going to respond? Because those tests can come, and what can happen with those tests is they actually strengthen you like you've never been strengthened before. In James 1, 3-4, it says the testing of your faith, it produces endurance. But, but endurance must do its complete work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So Jesus tells us tough times. There's something I want you to remember. Your faith is going to be tested. Yay! But here's the, the next part. It's the good part, too. Whenever you face tough times, you need to remember this. God will be with you. God's with you. If you're struggling today, if you're going through a tough time in your life, if you are in the midst of unfairness in your life, remember this. God's with you. God promises to be with you. In verse number 32, Jesus speaking of himself here, but here's what he said. Uh, Jesus said, look, an hour's coming and has come when each of you will be scattered to his own home. He said, you guys are going to desert me. He says, and then you'll leave me alone. Yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. You know, don't you hate it when, when somebody that you really count on and you look up to j just sort of abandons you and fails you and disappoints you? And then, you know, when that happens, you kind of create this, this concrete veneer where you get jaded and you say, I will never trust anybody again. And the longer you live, the more you begin to realize people fail. You know, people don't always come through for you. Even the people that you love the most. It's good to be reminded, Jesus knew this. In verse number 32, before it happened, Jesus said, you guys are going to fail me. 
Now, did Jesus say, get out of my side, I don't want to be around you? That's not what he said. What Jesus did is he continued to love them, he continued to teach them. He wanted to teach them so that whenever they did have failure, they would know how to move on and later on have success in their lives. Now, this would have been strange for them to hear the disciples because they'd been saying, Jesus, we believe you. You know, we're, we're gonna, we, we got your back. We're going to stay with you through thick and thin. But Jesus knew better. But he still stuck with them. Why did he do that? Here's why. Jesus' ultimate hope was not in his friends. It was not in his closest relationships. Jesus' hope was in his God. Because if you look in verse number 32, it says that he knew the Father was with him. And that was enough. You know, when life's not fair, when, when you've been, you know, when you have been done wrong by every person you know, let me tell you something, you have all that you need. And that you have a God who says, while flesh and blood may fail, I will never leave you. Listen to what the Bible says. Hebrews 13 says, be satisfied with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I'll not be afraid. What can man do to me? And you got to let that one soak in. Now think about that. The, the, the God who is the creator of everything that you can see and not see, who is omniscient, who is omnipresent, he tells you, I will never leave you. I'll always be with you. I'll never abandon you. Jesus summed it up well when he said in John 15, 5, he said, I'm the vine. He said, you're the branches. And the one who remains in me and I in him, he'll produce much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. He said, I'll be with you. You know, one of my favorite stories is with a Christian author named Tim Hansel. And he was talking about when he went hiking with his son. So my son was young, and he said, we were hiking around some cliffs. So my son was above me, and he says, I'm walking along, you know, kind of hike along. He said, I hear my son yell out, hey, dad, catch me. And he said, I turned around, and he said, my son's already in the air. And he said, and I'm, I'm sitting there, he said, I was in shock. And he said, I caught my son. He said, I fell over on the ground. And he said, I'm, man, I'm ticked off. He said, I'm looking at my son, well, what in the world are you doing? Why would you do that? And he said, I was amazed. And my son looked at me, and he was kind of dumbfounded, and he looked at me and said, well, you're my dad. He said, and I knew you'd catch me. And that, that kid was able to live life to the full because he knew his dad would catch him. Now, guys, if a little kid, and I'm not recommending that, you know, because uh, we're people, but if a little kid can do that with his dad, don't you think that a believer ought to be able to do that with God? You know, even though we might be, or for Jesus, even though Jesus was abandoned by his friends, he stayed true to his mission. He said, I'm going to jump anyway because my God, my Father, is going to fulfill his word. I'm going to trust him anyway. And the same thing is true with us. That's when life's not fair, we can relax. Because we have a God who's promised he will be with his people. No matter what it is that you fear, no matter what it is that is against you. We have promises in Scripture say, if God be for us, who can be against us? We have promises in Scripture that our God has overcome every fear and defeat that scares us. He says, I'll be with you. If you're in a tough time, let me give you some hope here. Or let the Bible give you hope. 
couple things to remember, a few things. One, your, your faith is going to be tested, but remember this, God's going to be with you. And then this is the last one, and this is the most important one. God wins. Don't forget that. Okay? God wins. Listen to what verse number 33 says. The last verse I'll read. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you, have met, you may have peace. And you'll have, he says, you will have suffering in this world. And then here's the best part. He says, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. You know, there are a lot of things in life that are un- unfair. I know good, solid people that love God, and I've seen them struck down by illness. And then I look over and I see some, some other person who doesn't care a thing about the things of God, and they never get sick. You know, everything goes well for them. They do well in their finances. And I, I'm looking at all that stuff saying, no, I don't get that. And that doesn't seem fair to me. I, I look around and I see good people who suffer and I see bad people who do well. Y'all ever think about stuff like that? If you do think about stuff like that, let me share something with you. People have been wondering this stuff since the beginning of time. In Psalm 73, the whole, that whole passage of Scripture is about a guy who is asking a simple question. God, why do, good, why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? Listen to what he wrote in uh, verses 3 through 5 of Psalm 73. He said, I envied the arrogant. He said, I see the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die and their bodies are well fed. They're not in trouble like others, you know, like good people. They're not afflicted like most people. Jesus is real honest with us about life. In verse 33, Jesus is just real clear. He says, you will suffer. As a matter of fact, if you decide you're going to follow after Jesus, it's going to be tough. You know, things don't always go well just because you decide to follow after Christ with your life. As a matter of fact, in 2 Timothy 3.12, it says, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. That's one way to weed stuff out. You know, that word persecuted, it means to be harassed because of your faith. Do you think we see that today, where people are harassed because of their faith? Watch the news, you see ISIS still where they're taking Christians and they are slaughtering them. Why? Because they're faith. That's it. It's what we believe. You know, in our, in our own country, I see stuff and I think, man, I can't believe this. Uh, man, we, have, we have hit warp speed on so much stuff as being believers where it is, y'all, it is not the most popular thing in the world to be a believer here. In our own country. Now, this is the greatest country in the world. But if you're going to take seriously the things of God, you're, you're, going to face, you're, going to face, you're going to face some trials. You say, I believe what God's Word says, and these are some things that I believe because this is what God's Word says. You're going to be labeled a bigot. You're going to be labeled uneducated. You're going to be labeled old-fashioned, anachronistic. You're, uh, you just name it. Yeah, I, I really believe we are, heading to a, we are heading to a time where we're going to have conflict and clashes with our ruling authorities because we say we will be faithful to the Word of God. And it is real easy for me to hit gripe mode 
and start saying, God, I am so irritated. I see the wicked prosper, and I see those who love Jesus who suffer. And if you start to feel that way, then you need to be reminded of something just like me. It's what Jesus says in verse 33. He says, be courageous. I have conquered the world. Now guys, as, as frustrating as life can be, Jesus says, face life with courage for a very simple reason. Because I've already won. Jesus said, I've, I've already got victory. I've already taken care of all this stuff. The world, seem, if the world is after us and it seems like they're having victory over us, but Jesus says, I've already won. You know, if, uh, and this is sort of a weird illustration, I just thought of this. I went to uh, Chris Jernigan's office. I don't know if y'all have ever been there before, the braces man. He's got, uh, he's got this little 80s game room and they have Pac-Man in there. I don't know if any of y'all have ever played Pac-Man before, but it was great. I went in there and sat down. It had been years and I, so I don't work. I just go to Chris's office and play Pac-Man. So I'm sitting there playing Pac-Man and you know, I know the character, <clears throat> I know the characters. You know, the goal is, walk, walk, walk. you know, the guy's, he's just going along and it's to eat all those little dots, right? But there's, there's some people that are after you, not people, but those little characters. Y'all know, remember Inky, Pinky, Blinky, and Clyde. Okay, so those are the guys, they're all after you. And so you're trying to stay away from them. Eat as many dots as you can and stay away from those guys. But if you get, if you hit, you know, the power pellet, y'all remember what happens? It, it reverses. When you hit the power pellet, Inky, Pinky, Blinky, and Clyde, they're going down. You know, I can, I can chew them up. I can eat them up. Because that power pellet gives me victory. Okay, Jesus is the power pellet, guys. The world is after us, but when we take in Jesus, let me tell you something, we win. We win. We just simply, we turn it all around. You might say, well, how's Jesus given us, what's he given us victory over? Well, for he's given us victory over Satan. Satan does not have power and a hold over you. Now, he can pester you and cause problems, but he will not have victory over you. Because Jesus went to the cross and he died and he rose from the grave. And he offers it to his people. He's conquered sin. So it doesn't have a hold over you and have victory over you. In Romans 8, 1 through 4, it says, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Jesus has had victory over death. 1 Corinthians 15, 55 through 57 says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Why? He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He wins. Theologian Leon Morris wrote this. He said, The cross would seem to the outsider to be Christ's total defeat, but Jesus sees it as his complete victory over all that the world is and all that the world can do to him. What does that mean? It means Jesus wins. And it doesn't matter what cards you've been dealt in life. You play the hand with Jesus, and you win. But the question is, are you on his team? Are you on his team? Because if you're not, then guys, this world will crush and grind the life out of you. 
In this world, Jesus says, you'll face trouble. He says, but in me, in Jesus, he said, take heart. Because I've overcome the world.